The Late Morning Program with Nam Ras Podcast. Hare Krishna, you're listening to the Late Morning Program with Nam Ras, the number one Hare Krishna podcast in the world. I'm so very honored to have uh, Sri Satinarayan Das Babaji Maharaj on the podcast today. Maharaj, thank you so much for joining me. Namaste. So uh, I wanted to have you on the podcast because um, you're a very... Um, erudite scholar within the Gaudiya Vaishnava community. I just want to kind of talk a little bit about your uh, your um, qualifications. You have a PhD uh, in the analysis of Bhakti Sandarbha, an MA in Sanskrit, MTech, a BTech, also an Indian law degree, which is really fascinating as well, and so uh, very well learned. And so I'd like to also talk to you about... Um, different aspects of Krishna consciousness, as well as your own history in Krishna consciousness in bhakti. Uh, and so maybe we can start there, Maharaj. Maybe we can talk about how did you come in contact with uh, spiritual life? Well, this is a long history. <laughs> so it may take some time because it's not that somebody preached to me and I joined ISKCON or I joined spiritual life. But from my very childhood, I was very clear what I want to do. As, as far back as my memory goes, I had this idea that I don't want to live like a family life. Mm. I don't want to get married, which I saw people around me, family people. And I wanted to be a sadhu. In fact, I, I used to ha visualize myself with beard and everything. <laughs> so which you see now right i was born in a village which is like outskirts of raja and uh, in those days i mean things have changed so much it is unbelievable i think i belong to one of the last generation in india where they have seen both sides of the world mm. what you read in the 10th canto Krishna's childhood in Braj, how he was in the forest, tending the cows, living just a pastoral life in the village, and everybody's together. I lived like that. It was wow. a very small village, and there was no electricity. So you can imagine, no electricity means no machinery. Forget about phone and all this television computer, camera, watch. Nobody had watch. So just imagine, <laughs> yeah, imagine the life living without any watch, without any radio, no news from anywhere, basically. Just people together. And there were about 50 families, I think. And everybody was just doing farming. Of course, there were some, like two Brahmana houses, which were doing the Brahmana duties. And uh, some, what you call the... Sudras, they do other things like making shoes, cleaning, like a, you know how it used to be in India, the Varnashram system. But predominantly people were Kshatriyas. I belong to a Kshatriya community. Actually, our, my lineage comes from Arjuna. Wow. 
we can trace it because in india there is a system which people may not know because some, sometimes people think all these puranas are just stories and they have been made up by somebody there is a class of people they are brahmanas they are called bhats also called jaga in some places like what you hear sut goswami speaking puranas it's they are actually belonging to the same class of people maybe they were originally called suta but in the village they were called bhata like you have bhattas mm like gopal bhatta so they were called bhat so what they do is that they keep record of each family they keep registers and they were considered that authentic so any birth happens in the family any death happens in the family they keep record of that and uh, once a year they go to each house they they will have like many villages under them you know like one family of bhat may have 10 villages like a king ruling 10 villages 15 you know like in the olden days there used to be very small small kingdoms in india so they come to your house and then they will have dinner in the family they will stay with the family for one night and they what they do is they recite the lineage and they they have made like sloka type of things you know they they don't they just don't read it it's like a poetry you know wow so that's why i can believe that this purana vaisut goswami is speaking because he actually belongs to that class and he knows and therefore one of the characteristic of the purana is vansanu charitam chaiva that defining the vansa the lineage the genealogy that is one of the characteristic atra sargo visargascha sthanam poshanam utya ट Yeah yeah also when somebody dies then you have to go and do shraddha so you go to haridwar you have to put the the asthi the ashes into ganga there are also brahmanas who are sitting with big big piles of registers and they have record of all your family members who have ever visited there they can tell you oh 30 years ago your great grandfather came here or somebody came here and he gave this much donation they record everything wow so there are a lot of history which can be traced but i think now these things are disappearing unfortunately mm. what do you feel about rindavan changing in the sense of you know yeah i have seen that become... also because i've been in rindavan now 35 years so i have seen so much change yeah in fact recently i went to my village of maybe after 35 40 years the village is no more a village i cannot recognize it you know all the fields are gone the buildings everywhere most people have left many have died i hardly can recognize anybody there so anyway i lived like that you know i have tended cows i have gone to the forest with cows barefoot and playing all these games which are mentioned in bhagavatam wow so that's how i grew up and i was always uh, thinking of my goal in life i used to do puja as a child do you know worship of krishna and whatever i knew there was no guidance but there was a sadhu who used to come to our village from vrindavan 
he belong to radha vallab sampraday if you have heard of hita hirans goswami right yes whom we, whom we say was a disciple of gopal bhatt goswami but then there was later some conflict and he separated or rather it is our belief that he was like sort of rejected by him over certain issue mm-hmm. so that's the controversial story we i don't know the truth anyway this sadhu he used to come to our village i mean much before my birth and he was blind but he had some yogic powers so people were very impressed and you no know, village people generally ask about their family problems he will do that but he wanted to build a temple and my grandfather donated the land for the temple so the temple wall was actually adjacent to our house so that was also the thing that from my childhood i used to attend the aarti he established radha krishna temple there and later on when i joined iskon i joined in detroit and i came to india then my grandfather told me that this sadhu is people used to call him surdas surdas is a name of a famous poet surdas who was around time of jiva goswami and he wrote a lot of poetry on krishna but he was blind so now in india it is a tradition that anybody who is blind they call him surdas <laughs> because calling somebody blind is like an insult you know? right so his name was actually kishori das baba but nobody really knew his name that way everybody called him surdas baba surdas baba so my grandfather told me that when i was born then he went and reported he happened happened to be here at that time he was he used to travel by foot going from village to village and he made maybe 15 20 temples in all the nearby villages and there used to be kirtan and all these things so my that he predicted that this boy he either he will become some big uh, politician or he will become a sadhu <laughs> so my grandfather said that now his prediction has come true oh <laughs> uh, so you, yeah so i grew up in that village atmosphere and uh, i used to read stories the temple had some book like mahabharata i used to when i grew up and i learned how to read i will read those books very eagerly and the village people who were mostly illiterate they will come and sit down around me and hear the stories you know because they have never heard something like that from shastra you know so that is the type of childhood i had and then in our village there was a school which only had like one room and one teacher there it was nothing what you can imagine a school you know just sitting under a tree and learning basically what you call reading writing then i went to another village so that was from first grade to fifth grade and then 6th 7th and 8th i went to another school in a village which was about a mile away from my village and after that there was no school nearby to study and my father wanted you know all of us to be educated so one of our relative he also lived in a village in the outskirts of delhi so near his village there was a higher secondary school means for what you call 9th 10th 11th grade at that time we didn't have this 10 plus 2 system so i lived in their village and studied there which was like a big shock for me to leave my village and that was like more modern with you know 
electricity, this, that. And it is he who prompted me. I was very good at studies. So he prompted me to appear for IIT, you know, Indian Institute of Technology. Right. Uh, joint and there used to be entrance exams. They still have, and it's very tough. It's not easy to get into IIT. Probably you know that IIT is oh, yeah. like MIT in India. Yes. Sometimes people get admitted in MIT and IIT, and they prefer IIT over MIT. Right. Many of these companies, like Microsoft, most of the engineers are from IIT. Google, Google's uh, CEO, I think he's also IIT. Yeah. Yeah. They're all in big posts. So anyway, I got admitted there, which was like a miracle. And uh, that was another shock because when I arrived there, I don't know English. And all these students <laughs> who came there, they all came from very rich families, you know, high class families. And I, here I come from a village. You know. So I had to struggle. I had to learn English myself, you know. Wow. So I passed. And... Uh, when I completed, it was a five-year course, B.Tech, Bachelor of Technology. So then I was worried because now if I complete my B.Tech, then I will get a job. And then question for marriage will come because the standard in India, you know. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I did M.Tech. I said, I got two more years, you know. <laughs> so I convinced my father that I want to do M.Tech. So I did B.Tech and M.Tech. And then after M.Tech, I got a job. So first I got a job in a, a division of Ford Motor Company. They used to manufacture a tractor in Faridabad, which is not far from our village. So I got a job there and I lived in my village. But then the pressure for marriage started coming. You know? And in India, it was like a you know arranged marriage system. So what happens is that the father of the girl approaches the father of the boy for the marriage proposal. So many people were approaching my father because I was a qualified, you know, person. <laughs> and then this will problem will come to me because my father will then ask me and I didn't want to get married, but it was hard to tell him that, no, I don't want to get married because then he will ask why and everybody will ask why. Because nobody knew what is inside my mind. I never revealed this to anybody. Nobody ever knew what is my plan until I actually became sadhu and then they realized. And because I told actually this is what I wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> so then I thought that I better move away from here. So I got a job in Mumbai because getting a job for IIT people is not a big deal. So I got a job with Tatas, which are you know very big corporate in India. So I moved to Mumbai thinking that yeah, I'm safe too far away from here. And, you know, especially in those days, I'm still talking about 70s, you know. The traveling was not so easy and simple. So I moved from there. Just within one month, I resigned from the company and I went there. But then whenever I came home, the same song will come. Marriage, marriage. Marriage. So that's when I decided to go to America. I had no plan to come to America, although many of my classmates in IIT went to America and they were always planning to go there. And, and I had no plan because I didn't want to do this kind of thing. So then I went to America. I got a job in Miami, Florida. 
and then there i started searching for spiritual organizations and in those days there were not much so i landed there in like i think 9th january 79 and i was completely new i had no idea about american life you know we heard so much about america and coming to america people considered like you know you have reached heaven without doing some yagya <laughs> The roads are paved with gold. Yeah. So seeing American culture also made me more firm that this is not what I want to do. I mean, I saw the emptiness of the whole culture and I saw how people are living and it's all external. External is very nice, but internal is quite stinking. I'm sorry to say that. Right. Agreed. There were no family (laughs) relations, you know. And mm. I came from a very loving family, religious, pious family. Although my parents were not some highly scholarly people, but they were very deep-rooted in our culture and very kind and loving. And so I could see the difference. I remember one day my boss came late and he said that, oh, I, I'm late because my car broke down, so I have to come with my wife's car. For me, this was a shock. So what you came, I mean, I didn't ask him, but I said, you came with your wife's car? What is this? In in India, we have joint family. We may own one bicycle and everybody says, this is our bicycle. (laughs) 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 But this guy is saying that he he came with his wife's car. So then I understood that there is no relation here. Everybody Mm -hmm. just individual and they live together, but there is no harmony from heart. So then I could see the contrast between Indian culture and Western culture. And this prompted even more for me to become more serious about spiritual life. So, but there was not uh, much uh, there in America. I I remember I first came to know about this uh, Jay Krishnamurti, you know that? Jay Krishnamurti, have you heard of? No. He was a famous guy. He was groomed by theosophical society and that's another issue so there was a study circle of jay krishnamurti he was quite popular in europe also he lived in switzerland but he also lived in california i think so i went there but i was not impressed then there was another guy they used to call him guru maharaj guru maharaj he was bali yogeshwar young boy he must be in around in his 20s but very popular in miami I remember for this holy festival, this color festival, where he throw color, he has uh, booked the whole stadium in Miami. And he came there and he was throwing this color with a pipe, you know, and all the, and there were thousands of people. He had a lot of followers. So I also went to listen to him, but did not attract me. There was also a small center of Wisconsin, not far from where I was living. But I did not know anything about ISKCON at that time. So I visited that. And uh, I also did not like it. Because as soon as I went there, these devotees, you know how ISKCON started preaching to me. <laughs> I did not read that. You know? <laughs> and they were forcing me to buy the book. You know? Right. I mean, I would have bought book otherwise. But because they forced me, I did not buy it. And I left quickly from there. Wow. Never to go back. So then I got uh, transferred to 
Detroit. I used to work with a computer company called Burroughs Corporation. And it used to be number two in those days. Number one used to be IBM. Mm-hmm. And in those days, these kind of computers which we have now, this does not exist. There used to be like three three types of computers only. Small size, medium size, and large size. Large computer, medium computer, small computer. Large computer means it will have its own room. I used to call it computer room. <laughs> because it will be huge. <laughs> so it has to be you know, kept at a proper temperature. And even the small ones were big. They will occupy like a whole table, you know. <laughs> So I came to Detroit and uh, by that time I became even more serious. And fortunately, there was a library downtown in Detroit and they had a section of philosophy in which they had some books about India, Indian culture. So I used to borrow books from there and read because nothing else was available. So I was reading um, biography of Ramakrishna Paramhansa. And I was quite impressed and I thought, well, I have to maybe find something and maybe join them. And uh, he was saying that one should control the senses and fasting is very important for controlling senses. So I started fasting on the weekend and every weekend I'll do complete fasting. Wow. Because I was very serious, you know, and I had a lot of friends in those days, you know, friends were very close circle and they used to have party on the weekend, but I was completely aloof. So in my circle, everybody knew that this guy is a little <laughs> off. <laughs> so what happened that uh, in the capital city of Michigan, I forget the name of the city. What is the capital of Michigan? Uh, is it Lansing, maybe? Yeah, Lansing. Is it Lansing? Yeah, yeah I think. So there lived uh, one of my senior from IIT, Delhi. So I knew him and I visited him. He was working, he was married. and uh, So I went to visit him and he has also heard about me. So he said, oh, there is a very beautiful Radha Krishna temple in Detroit. You should visit that. You will like it. He did not say ISKCON. If he has said ISKCON, probably I will not go. Right. Because <laughs> of my experience in Miami. Right. So then I came and I searched the yellow pages. In those days, there used to be, you know, this telephone directory. Of course, yeah, yeah, I remember yellow pages, yeah. And I found their telephone number I called. And uh, I took the directions to go there. I was living, living you know, in the outskirts of Detroit. So I went there on Sunday feast. So that was, I said, oh, this is very nice. I fast Saturday, Sunday, and I can break my fast here by the feast. But I was quite amazed by the temple. If you have been to Detroit Temple, it's very nice. It's that Fisher Manson. Yes. It was bought by Ambrish and that other lady. Forget Mm -hmm. her name. For Prabhupada. So it has nice gardens and their peacocks, which reminded me so much of my village life, you know, and beautiful temple. So I started going there. And again, these devotees started preaching to me. And I will argue with them. <laughs> they won't be able to actually stand my arguments because their answers were very simple. You know? mm-hmm. But 
coincidentally what happened is that the temple president of detroit iskon was from iit delhi really yes navin krishna if you have heard of him he no, lives in alachana okay yeah he once upon a time he was also gbc but he left because he was you know bringing up this issue of poisoning of prabhupad Mm. He wrote that book also, I think. So I think he left his con, but I think he lives in Alaska. He came to visit me few years ago here. So he told all the people there in Detroit. Detroit was a very big community in that time. There were at least eighty devotees in the temple, and many very nice. I think it was one of the most flourishing temples in his con in that time. So he told him that. told everybody that don't preach to this guy i will handle him <laughs> and at that time i also met there uh, there was another friend of mine who was from iit also from iit kharagpur and there was another devotee ravi gautam who is known as rasraj now probably heard his name he's hmm. he is still there in iskon so we three became very intimate friends and we'll meet on the weekend actually every friday or saturday we'll meet together we'll discuss and then sunday he was living in flint which was like 80 miles away from detroit he was working yeah. there so we'll go to his house and he was also alone and we'll just talk about bhagavatam this that you know and three of us joined together so we took diksha in 1981 in detroit so that's how i joined wow and my my job was very interesting i my job was troubleshooting so the baroz corporation besides making computers they also were making software packages for the companies like for accounting for you know inventory etc so if they had any problem then it will come to me and since computer was not that everybody had a computer so i needed a computer to work on that and he said well you can work in the evening so that in the day time the other people who are writing program they can use the computer so they said you can come after 5 o'clock 5 to 12 or something so i said how about 3 to 10 i said i don't need computer immediately so i'll come 2 hours early and then once you guys leave then i'll use the computer So basically, my job was like three to ten, which was like, I mean, it's like I'm I'm free whole day, you know? right? And ten is not that late, you know. Yeah. And the office was not far away from where I lived, and it was maybe fifteen minutes drive. Mm-hmm. And then this troubleshooting. Why I'm saying is the troubleshooting was an interesting job because nobody knows how long it will take to troubleshoot. <laughs> <laughs> they'll give me the problem and they will ask me so how long you will take so i will randomly say well it will take 10 days <laughs> so okay so then but i may i may fix it in one day right for 9 days i am just free right so therefore what i was doing is <laughs> i used to just take books and read there because there was nobody there after 5 everybody right. leaves so there's no one checking me and sometimes troubleshooting i will just do at home because 
it's not i mean once you know the problem you have to just think you know sometimes i'm cooking at my place and then it will struck me oh this is the problem you know and i'll oh. fix it <laughs> so what i'm saying is that i got so much time to read i read a lot of prabhupada's books mm. so what impressed me at that time to join iskon i was not immediately keen to join iskon like that is that this prabhupada's biography volume 2 i think it is called planting the seed if i'm not wrong yeah so that was not printed yet satsurup goswami he wrote the second volume first and the first came later on because the first did a lot of research about prabhupada's early life and the second volume began when prabhupada landed in boston so that was very impressing to me very very impressive and i immediately became surrendered to prabhupada by reading that book because i could see that how great he is and how much struggle he has gone through yeah so it was not easy for me to get convinced by somebody but prabhupada's biography is that which convinced me and it was not somebody's preaching or this or that so that's when i decided to join but then within one year there was a big problem i took diksha from jatirtha maharaj tirthapad Oh right yeah and then 1982 he had this problem i yeah. mean we were already hearing this but being disciple we will hear all the positive side you know right so he was taking this lsd and this was a big controversy so then he left and he joined sridhar maharaj right in navdeep so many many of his disciples left and you know it was big troublesome period for me so then i don't know what to do so at that time many of the gurus came rameswar swami came bhavananda maharaj came and gopal krishna maharaj came and well some some other and you know most of my ex god brothers they all got reinitiated so i and rasraj and this third person his name was gaudiya prakash we did not take initiation so rasraj said that he will go to india and find out what is happening actually because we were not sure that really what what is being told to us is true because you were in america at the time yeah so then he came to india and he met jatirtha maharaj and somehow he got convinced by him so he joined him and then he was opening his temple for him in bangalore Wow. and i i was left alone you know and we don't get any news and you know i was still there i, I was i was treasurer there in detroit so all the devotees used to come every morning to take money from me they were called sankirtan devotees i don't know if you know that this was called skp sankirtan party right so first i used to think that sankirtan means they go on the street and do sankirtan but actually what they were doing is they were selling these buttons and paintings and oh right like, right the pick yeah so they yeah so they needed some change every morning right and then in the evening they will return the money whatever their collection was and i have to note that and separate all that i keep record and their names were being announced every morning so and so collected so many lakshmi points <laughs> and once a week i also have to go on book distribution which i completely hated and i had no caliber for that because i'm not a preacher in mm. so I, i the maximum i collected was 20 dollars 
<laughs> and everyone else was collecting like three hundred dollar, two fifty dollar. So everybody used to make fun of me. And then they started making more fun of me because I did not take diksha. Mm. I mean reinitiation. Yeah. So when they will, my office was on the first floor. When they will come through the stairs, they will start saying, you know. Srila Rameshwar Maharaj, so and so, what was he was called? Sankirtan Pad Ki Jai. Sri Bhavanand Maharaj, Vishnu Pad Ki Jai. And so and so Ki Jai. And then they will say, and have not decided it, Ki Jai. Have <laughs> 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 not decided yet, Ki Jai. <laughs> so that's how they were troubling me. So then I decided to leave from there. I mean, there's so many things happened. I'm just giving you a brief. Sure, sure. Story. So I moved to Los Angeles because at that time in Detroit they were having this fate museum work was going on. So mm-hmm. there was one devotee, Dhumrakesh, Prabhupada's disciple. He used to work, and he then moved to LA, Watsika Avenue. So I went there. Before that, I also went to San Francisco and met Atreya Rishi. You probably don't know. Travis, she was actually from Harvard, MBA from Harvard, very intelligent person. And he was a very good friend of Jaitirtha Maharaj. So he had come to Detroit just before all this problem came. And we planned, me, Rasraj, Gaudiya Prakash, that we will start a software company to support ISKCON Detroit. We'll make the profit because we all three were brahmacharis, you know. So we'll live there in the temple and have, and we are all three you know, educated. So this was our plan, but before that, Anatra Rishi will support it if any finances were needed. And he will be in charge of it. Because you he, didn't, you he didn't, a- one second, you didn't feel that, oh, because the JT, all this stuff was happening that you didn't know about, that maybe that you wanted to distance yourself from ISKCON at that time, or you were still like, well, I, oh, ISKCON, ISKCON? I, I had faith in Prabhupada. Oh, right, right. So at that time itself, I decided that actually now one thing is I am not going to take initiation just like that. And my faith was in Prabhupada, so I don't want to leave Prabhupada. Right. And that's why I stuck. So I was in ISKCON only because of Prabhupada, not because of any guru or anything. Mm-hmm. Even when I had taken Diksha, I was not like highly impressed or like that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I respected Jati sure, was sure. a nice person, and I had, I did personal service to him. Mm-hmm. So, so you I, sorry, I, sorry, sorry to interrupt. You were saying that you wanted to create a software uh, company with those devices. Yeah, but then this fiasco happened. So then I went and I met Atre Rishi in San Francisco, but uh, there was not much coming from there because I at that time I was lost what to do and where to go. I didn't want to take Diksha, especially from people whom I'm not sure, because I became doubtful of now. You know. Yeah. So then I moved you. to LA and I started working for Dhumrakes. He had, he was working for what was it called? Like you know, online, some kind of like online sales things. You know. So I was working on the computer there for him. They were selling incense and books through that and. They also had some other tricks, which I don't want to go into details. So I used to live there and I had my office and I will just go to the temple for the program, but I will not meet with anybody because everybody will ask this question, who is your guru, who is your guru? And I did not have one. 
so I didn't want to mix with anybody. So I became quite aloof. And at that time, Bhakti Sarup Damodar Maharaj, who was director of Bhakti Vedanta Institute, he came there. So I met him and had discussion and I liked him. And uh, this is the first time I met him. I mean, I heard about him from Atreya Rishi when he came to Detroit because Atreya Rishi was a very good friend of Bhakti Sarup Damodar Maharaj. Mm-hmm. Because they both were you know, educated. Maharaj was PhD from America. He was MBA from Harvard. So then I decided maybe I will take Diksha from him. And then I, I was always, because I was very close with Rasraj Prabhu. We were very intimate friend. You know, we, we could sit together like five, six hours and just talk on Bhagavatam and this and that, you know. And the time will just fly. We'll forget about eating and sleeping. We are very, very close friends. So, but I was, I then my family people were also worried because they came to know and, you know, that I had become sadhu and I, my mother was very worried because she was a simple village woman. She thought that I had become a sadhu, like, you know, you have sadhus in India, they go begging, do madhukari. So they thought I am doing Madhukari here in America like that. You know. That's what she was thinking. So she was crying and not eating. So I decided to go to India. But again, I didn't want to be with the family. You know. I thought, okay, I will visit them. I will explain to them and I will go where Rasraj is. But I didn't know where he is. You know. There's no contact because he was not in ISKCON anymore. So what happened that one day Mukunda Goswami came to our office. And then when I was working on the computer, he asked me, who's your guru? Standard question. You know. So I said, well, I was disciple of Tirthapad, Jatirtha Maharaj. And so I said, oh, I met one of your god brother in Chennai. And then I said, I said, who was he? And he said, well, I don't remember the name. I said, was it Rasaraj? And he said, yes. And that's how I got the clue about Rasraj. <laughs> so then I booked my ticket and I said, I will go to India and I'll join Rasraj in Chennai. And I was also trying to get in contact with him. So I, was, I got the Chennai phone number from BTG and I called and he said, no, he does not live in the temple. He comes only on Sundays. So anyway, on one Sunday, I w- it was possible for me to talk to him. <clears throat> and I said, I'm com- Rasraj, I'm coming to India. I'll be with you. We'll be together. And he says, don't come to India. Don't come to India. Stay there. And we will work together. We'll drop this and we'll take up job again. He says, I have given up this Jatirtha Maharaj. He told me that. Because till that time, I was still thinking that you know I'll be with Rasraj. In the meantime, I had met uh, Jaitirtha Maharaj. At least I wanted to see him one. And he was in a, in a village near, I think, between LA and San Francisco. It was called Three Rivers City. Right. Three Rivers, so he was staying there. So I went to see him there. And uh, he was with his wife. He, has, he got married. I never saw him like that. So I spent one night and... I told him, you know, what has happened. And he, he, I, I would, I must say that he was very nice to me. And you know what he told me? He says, don't join me 
stay in his con and serve Prabhupada. So I said, fine. I was happy to hear that. Mm. Otherwise, you know, I, I still considered him like my guru, you know, and in India, if you take Diksha, it is not easy to just drop like that. You know? So I still had that feeling that how can I give him up? So he himself said it. So then I was quite happy that, okay, then I'll be in his con. And then, but now Rasraj was saying that, no, we will go back to Detroit. We'll take our jobs and we'll work together. So I said, look, Rasraj, I'm coming to India. I have booked my ticket. And he said, I'm also coming to America. You postpone your thing. So I said, I cannot drop my plan to come to India because my family people are so much worried. So I was flying through New York. So I had some relatives in New York. So I came and I stayed with them on Long Island. And then I met Rasraj in Long Island Temple. And he told me, so I says, no, I'm going to India. So that's, I came to India and then, you know, Rasraj told me that don't go to Chennai. Go to Tirupati. <laughs> because he says in Chennai there are a lot of problems. So I came to Tirupati and Tirupati GBC was Bhakti Sarup Damodar Maharaj. And the temple president was Sankhabrit Prabhu. And Rasraj has met him and Rasraj was very impressed by him. So that's how I landed up in Tirupati. And it was a new project. Basically, it was just started. So we are only few people. We built the temple. I actually installed the deities. I came to Jaipur. Radha the deities. I took them from here with the van and did all the installation. And I was the first pujari. I, I did seva there for weeks. I did a lot of service and preaching in the university there. The big university in Trupati. But I was having problems because the temple president was not very straightforward. His character problems and swindling of money, all this. So I, then I decided to leave it. I said, why do I have to be under him? And I became very firm that I have to study Shastra. This desire to study the Sandarbhas was already there in me from Detroit when I heard about Jeev Goswami and I heard his Sandarbhas and how Prabhupada was praising them. I thought I want to study them, but I didn't know where and how to study. So when I was in Detroit, I used to come every year to Vrindavan because we needed to buy certain things for the duty worship, you know, incense, this, that, some dresses, other paraphernalia. So I will always come during Karthik period, Prabhupada's disappearance time. And I was very fond of books, so I will go to Loi Bajar and buy books. So there I bought books on the Sandarbha. And then I read the address of the person who printed it, and that was my present guru, Sri Sri Haridas Shastri Maharaj. So I went to see him. And when I went to see him, he was teaching to one Iskon Sanyasi. So I just sat there, I listened to the whole class. And uh, but he was teaching in Bengali because this sannyasi, his name was Venkat Swami or something. I don't know where he is now. I heard he went to prison for some time. But uh, so after the class, I asked one question to Maharaj, and when he answered, I was so impressed. So then I decided I must come and study under him. 
but i did not know because i had so much responsibility in tirupati and there was a big project we had a plan to make a big temple and guest house and you know regular iskon project mm -hmm. so it would take 10 years so i used to plan that i will be here for 10 years when this project is ready then i'll drop and i'll go to vrindavan but then situations became very bad a lot of problems and Sankhabrit was married person so he was not in the temple so all the problems will come on my head he made me like a co-president he created a post called co-president not vice president <laughs> so basically i was managing the whole temple and managing means seeing all the problems of the brahmacharis and this and that you know so i said no, this is not what i want to do and then all the money was going somewhere so i said this project will never start he collected a lot of money but uh, swindled also so then i decided to leave and i knew that if i leave he is going to create a lot of trouble so i had university students and i told them i'm going to leave and you have to protect me so my I, <laughs> my train was at night and then i did not tell shankabrita till the last minute that i'm leaving and he was totally shocked and he wanted to physically stop me but the students were there so they escorted me to the train station and i left from there and i came to vrindavan in the meantime i had contacted my brother and i said that look i am going to live outside iskon and i want to study so he said okay he will rent a room for me and you come so when i came obviously it will take some time to rent a room so i came and i stayed in iskon gurukula brahmachari ashram and there when i was staying there then you know i was talking i i knew some people there so they said that why you want to leave why don't you stay here only and study so i said okay then i will take some service here so i went to the temple president and i said you know i please give me some service i want to stay in vrindavan so he asked me my background so he said you are too qualified <laughs> <laughs> to do service here in the brahmachari ashram you go to the gurukula and meet dhanudar swami maybe he have he will have some service for you so dhanudar swami i had written to him because when i was in tirupati i had also started a small school there for children and i had written to him to take some guidance which of course i never got any reply from him so i went to dhanudar swami I had started learning Sanskrit in Tirupati, but the problem was that in Tirupati I did not know the local language, which is Telugu, and the teachers did not know Hindi or English. So there was a problem of communication. So that's also the reason I wanted to move to Vrindavan. So then I met Dhanudar Swami, and he said, "Yeah, yes, we need a Sanskrit teacher." I said, "Okay, I can teach. That much I know." So he says fine, but I said, look, I will teach, but I have one condition that I want to study myself. So he says, no problem. You just teach, and then you are free to do whatever you want to do, and I will protect you. So he was very kind. He gave me a room, and I started teaching in the Iskon Gurukula, and I, I started studying. I hired one teacher to teach me in this, you know, Panini grammar, and then I went to see Maharaj. in his ashram at kalidas so i met one of his main disciple outside and he said he doesn't teach anymore 
Yes, yeah, stop teaching. Your guru doesn't teach anymore. Yeah. Mm. And he was not my guru yet. Uh, yeah, right. But, so I was very shocked. So I came back. Then I went around throughout Vrindavan meeting all the famous people here. Whoever had a name and fame that they're scholar, I met everybody. And I said, I want to learn Sandarbhas because I was so eager to learn such Sandarbhas of Jiva Goswami. And everybody said that they cannot teach. The only person who can teach is him. So then I came back. So what happened is that around that time, I, and I continued studying my Sanskrit grammar and teaching. So one of my god brother, means disciple of Sarup Damodar Maharaj, who he came from Mumbai, whom I have met there in Mumbai, because there was a world uh, conference on science and religion. And I had attended there. It was in 86. So I was there with Rasraj and everybody. So I met him. He was in BI, this boy. So he came and he moved to Vrindavan to study Sanskrit. And he was doing Pujari Seva. So he came to see me. And I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm doing Pujari Seva. And he said, he's going to learn Sanskrit. So I asked him, from whom? And he said, from... Guru Maharaj. I says, but he does not teach. So he says, no, the head pujari here, Purnachand, he was a Bengali Prabhupada's disciple. He knows him because he has studied from him. Prabhupada himself sent this Purnachand to study from Guru Maharaj. So for some time he studied, but then he went to Bengal and discontinued. So he knows him personally. He says, he will introduce me and uh, he will teach. I says, okay. I says, the day you go, please take me also with you. So, so Srila Prabhupada, Prabhupada knew about um, Sri Haridas yeah. Shashi Maharaj? He was, he was probably the greatest scholar of his time. Wow. He had nine graduate degrees. <laughs> no. he, he has studied all the all range of darshanas. You know. Wow. He, he was well known for that. Mm -hmm. Everybody respected him for that. And very renounced person. So then I went with Poonchan and this. So Poonchan introduced that he wants to study Harinama Vritvakan. So Maharaj said, okay. Then he looked at me and he asked me, and you? So I said, Maharaj, I want to study the Satsandarbhas. So he looked at me and he waited and he said, why don't you study Harinama Vritvakan first? So I said, Maharaj, I'm already studying Panini. So studying two systems together is difficult. So I will study Sandarbha and then when I'm completed my Panini, then I will study Harinam So he agreed. So I was just so elated to hear that. And that's how I started studying from him. And this boy, he dropped after a few months. So I remained. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how my journey came and then I studied Sandarbhas and then devotees started asking me that you, you teach at that time this higher you know this Vrindavan Institute of Higher Education I started I think it started in 88 if I'm not wrong mm -hmm. so I was one of the teacher so first course I gave was Sanskrit for preachers Burijan Prabhu was in charge and Burijan Prabhu Dhamidhar Swami they were very good friends of mine Mm -hmm. And very supportive also. 
so i was giving and then i started teaching sandarbha i used to give private classes in my room i had a small room i think it was room number 72 next to the stairs in the gurukula northeast side so i was always teaching some class there you know i first started because i was also learning and then we'll sit together so kurma rupa prabhu was there and kalya krishna was headmaster and sometimes anudar swami would come and you know random devotees will come there so then they said why don't you teach the sandarbhas so i tar- started teaching sandarbhas and then everybody loved it so much so then the, it it was proposed that why don't you translate them into english so first i thought well not so qualified especially english is not my language and i never went to some english school so i said no you do it so then i started translating it and then kundali prabhu joined he came from thailand i think and he knew kurma rupa and kurma rupa told him that this devotee is there and this nice classes are going on and so kunli also came he was staying in iskon goshala and he came and attended my classes and he was very impressed so then he said i want to be part of this so then we made a group and uh, we started working together i used to write by hand i had no computer and kurma rupa will type and send it back to me i'll make corrections and then it will go to kundali and <laughs> he will do the editing so this is how we were working so then kundali he proposed that we, that maybe we should give a proposal to harikesh about this project and he would support it so we wrote a proposal to harikesh swami who was in charge of swedish bbt and you know big he was known as mahaguru in those days so kundli and i wrote the proposal and we presented kundli actually proposed to him and he met him personally and he very much liked it and he showed him some of our work the translation and commentaries on tatva sandarbha so he was very impressed he was so impressed that he came to see me in vrindavan he never used to come to vrindavan he was always in mayapur and he was in charge of mayapur project but he came and he talked to me and then he said we'll in the meantime i had formed jiva institute of vaishnava studies there and this is the brochure i made oh hold on let me i can make the screen bigger for you yes so you oh, see wow. this prabhupad's on the front <laughs> and this is a quote from prabhupad i want to start a nice international institute at the place of sri rajiv goswami my mission is to develop the glories of sri rajiv goswami all over the world and i think you should cooperate with me my honest endeavor wow so this is this was my mission in iskon mm-hmm. because i used to think this was my personal thinking that prabhupada has done a wonderful job by you know making so many temples and devotees but there should be a place where at least sincere devotees can do deep studies because many devotees used to come to me when they were coming to my classes i was already there now a few years and and they used to say if you want to study more we want to study more so then i said like we should have an institute where devotees who really want to dedicate for studying they should do that and then i found this quote of prabhupada i said look prabhupada himself wanted it 
so then i made this brochure where i have all this what is our mission and what we want to do and the books i wanted to translate all that list is there and then harikesh swami agreed to support and he bought a land for us wow which is not very far from where jeeva institute is now and we actually started construction and this is the plan of that we will have a basement and building and our whole team will live there so we had had a team this is this was the team at that time kundli is there i am standing in front kale krishnan and back side is upendra then jalandhar that boy young and then kurmarupa mm. and we took a pledge let me read the pledge to you sure <laughs> <laughs> so the devotees involved in the jivas jivas is j i v a s we used to call it jivas at jiva institute of vaishnava studies mm-hmm. is a very important service to srila prabhupada to our predecessor acharyas and to the world indeed we think it a service long overdue to show our commitment to jivas we have decided to take a vow to dedicate the rest of our lives to the realization of this wonderful project hence with the worldwide community of vaishnavas as our witness we vow the following we the undersigned dedicate our life wealth intelligence and words to the service of the jeevas that is jeevan institute of vaishnava studies project as described in this pamphlet to this end we are willing to do whatever it takes within krishna consciousness to accomplish our goal by the grace of vaishnavas may our may our attempt meet with speedy success and then everybody signed so now from this team i am the only one go <laughs> <laughs> unheard history i've never heard this before yes so you see now then came this problem and so now harikesh swami said that this sandarbhas should be published by bbt and he said that he will publish them with swedish bbt so then what he did that he brought in dravida prabhu and gopi prandhan prabhu as my editors so dravida prabhu was the final editor of english along with kundli kundli will be the first editor and then dravida and gopi prandhan prabhu will be the editor of sanskrit and chaki so then we we were all working together So yeah. Gopi Pranjal Prabhu was my final editor, and then the book got ready. So when the book came, then this problem of Jiva fall down came at that time because Jiva Goswami says that we are beginning beginninglessly conditioned an Adi Buddha. So this issue came up, and Gopi Pranjal Prabhu said that this is wrong; we cannot accept it. so then in mayapur they had a meeting with all the bbt trustees so i was called there and kundli was he there or not no he was not there so i was i went there and we had meeting with jayadwaita swami and you know harikesh swami and there was whoever the bbt trustees at the time gopal krishna maharaj so there was a long discussion on this point 
So first they said that I should change the translation and I did not agree for that. I said, I cannot change you, Goswami's God, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm a follower of truth. You know. So then the Gopi Pranthan Prabhu said that, you know, argument, counter-argument went. So it was like they will not print it, drop it, you know, because nobody agreed. But Harikesh was a very powerful person at that time, and he has a lot of weight. So he convinced, and we, the conclusion was, because we also discussed that there are also differences of opinion in previous Acharyas, sometimes between, you know, Jiva Goswami and Vishnath Chakrati also. Sometimes there are, and I know those places. So he says, we can put a footnote that, you know, this is it, and then below in the footnote, we can say that Prabhupada says like this. So that's where we agreed. Before that, we said, when they said change it, I did not agree. I, I, I propose that let this book be printed. If you change it, let it be printed with Gopi Pranthan Prabhu's name. And my name should not be mentioned there. I don't mind. And I will assist him. But I don't want my name to appear on the book if it is twisting Jeeva Goswami's words. I was very firm on that. So then Gopi Pranthan Prabhu did not agree to that. He says, I'm not qualified to translate this. Sandarbhas. He refused. So that's when they came up with this idea. So somehow they all agreed. And the book was in complete final stage. It was finalized. And it was sent to Swedish BBT. And this was Mayapur festival time. So I came back to Vindavan. And in the meantime, I did not even know so Gopi Pranthan Prabhu and Jadwaita Maharaj and Hridananda Goswami and that Drut Karma Prabhu, Dravida, they all met and they planned how to stop it. So then Drut Karma Prabhu wrote a very strong letter. Mm. I don't know if you have read it. I've read it, yeah. yeah. Against me that how I'm actually deviating the whole ISKCON and taking it away and this and it. I'm a very dangerous person and I'm like putting meat on the offering plate of Radha and Krishna, some things like that. A very heavy letter. So when that, and he sent this letter to all the GBCs, to all the temple presidents and all that. So by that time, email had come. So through email. So then one day, this was actually the day of Janmashtami. I came, I used to go and study with Maharaj in the evening time. My classes were evening. And I would come at night like 10, 10.30 from there. So I came and I had a note on my table. I never locked my room, you know. It was always open. So I had a note on my table from Kaliya Krishna Prabhu. Kaliya Krishna Prabhu was disciple of Harikesh Swami. And he was in charge of the construction of this Jiva project. So he said that, as call me immediately. So I, I called him. At that time, they had given me a phone in my room. So I called him and he said that this project is cancelled. He got a call from Harikesh Swami and he said the project is cancelled. And I said, why? And uh, he says he doesn't know. 
so then i thought i will tell kundli prabhu but kundli was already sleeping so i didn't wake him up so in the morning i told him and then he said okay let me call harikesh swami so he got in touch with him and harikesh swami said that he will write a letter and then he will know so then he wrote a letter and he sent this and he says this is the thing and i cannot support it anymore because i will be in trouble then so that's how the project got cancelled and in the meantime this issue has become very hot all over the iskon this fall down yeah. thing so yeah. we were getting lot of questions and emails and arguments and counter arguments so i did not have my own computer or anything everything will come to kundli he will bring it to me i will reply then he will send all this was going on so then kundli prabhu suggested that okay the project is cancelled everything he says we will print the book ourselves so i said fine and then he said why don't you write a book on this fall down issue so that's how this book came into existence what do we call as in vakuntha not even the leaves fall right what a title what a title <laughs> <laughs> so in this book i basically tried to come i mean reconcile the iskon view or prabhupad view with no fall down issue that this was a technique or for preaching right. and this book was done in a big hurry because you can imagine that this project got cancelled at janmashtami which usually comes in august september and by january we had printed the book so we wrote this book and uh, printed it because our plan was that we'll take this book to next mayapur festival wow so That's in brave. february yeah so in february we sent you know few hundred books to mayapur with upendranath prabhu because mayapur festival starts before that there are gbc meetings and temple president meetings and devotees are already coming so he went there with the books and he started selling jayadwata swami saw the book and he was very furious he confiscated all the books immediately and then i was called i had to appear in front of gbc full gbc board and explain why i have written this book so kundli left he did not he went to australia so i went alone to mayapur and they made a first a committee to deal with this issue in which we had japataka swami and shivram maharaj was there and i think radhanath swami and few others were there so then i had to first appear and then they questioned me and then i had to appear in front of the complete gbc so they asked me questions so their main argument was that this book will disturb devotees mind so i said well you are saying it will disturb devotees mind but how do you know i says why don't you do one thing you randomly select 100 devotees so many devotees are here and give them this book we have copies and let them read it and then ask them if they are disturbed and then you make a decision so they did not agree so they just banned the book they said that we ban the book so they passed three resolutions one is that this book is banned number 2 i am banned 
to give any classes to devotees, either in my room or in the temple room. And I am bent to go outside to study. I can only stay there in the Gurukula and teach to the Gurukula students. That's all. So that's how it went. So then I understood that my time is over here. So I came back and I did not know what to do. So then I came back to Vrindavan. I was still teaching, but I did not stop studying. So I will go and study and everybody will look at me, and but nobody dared to ask me, why are you going to study? So this continued because I had no place. So then I took help from my brother and I bought this land where I'm sitting now. And it will take some time to get ready. Where will I go? You know? And things in India move slow, you know. So then by the time next Mayapur festival came. So before that, they sent a team to deal with me. And Trivikram Maharaj was the chief of that team. So he called me. I remember he called me after lunch. We used to have lunch, I think, 2 o'clock. And then he questioned me. So by that time, I had already decided that I will leave. You know. So he said, you know, who is your guru and what is your relationship and this and that. And he said, uh, what do you think of Bhakti Siddhanta Maharaj? So frankly speaking, I, it may have been offensive at that time. And I would not say anything like this now. But I was also in that, you know, upset mood. And I said, I don't think of him. So he was very upset when I said that. I said, I don't think of him. I don't need to think of him. So then he said, then you should leave from here. I said, okay. Then he asked me, how much time do you need to leave? So I said, give me at least 24 hours. So he said, all right. So then I came to my room and now it was certain that I have to leave. And I was hoping that my place will be ready. At least one room will be ready, you know, that, and I could move here, but it was... So then I arranged with Kale Krishna Prabhu. He had a house and he had a small room at the entrance, like a garage room. So he said, well, you can come and live here. So I, I said, okay. So then next day morning, I called one bullock cart and loaded my things and I moved out. And when I was going out, I met Trivikram Swami by chance, you know. And he said, oh, you're leaving? I said, yes. And then he says, oh, we will miss you. And I said, well, really? <laughs> so that's how I left his con. And uh, obviously people then thought I'm against Prabhupada and I'm this and I'm that and all types of things. I'm envious snake. You know, all these regular designations were given to me. But I want to, you know, speak clearly since I'm speaking. I'm not against anybody. I did not join ISKCON for this person or that person. If at all I joined, I joined because I was impressed with Prabhupada. But primarily I, was, I joined ISKCON because I wanted to have realization of the truth, which was in me, in my blood, from my birth, coming probably from my past life. So... Therefore, I don't have any competition with anybody. I don't compete with anybody. And after leaving ISKCON, I did not write anything against ISKCON or Gaudiya Math or Prabhupada or anything. And I have thousands and thousands of lectures recorded and on YouTube also. No one can say that I'm saying anything against anybody. 
Of course, if they ask me question about the jiva issue and the dormant love, and I will answer what it is, you know. And if they give arguments against it, I will refute it. But that's not going against it. And this is this is India, you know. Here we live like that. It's not that. And why shall I be hateful to anybody? How does it help me on my journey to be envious of somebody? Or here, you won't believe. I live in my this ashram. Right above it, the main entrance of this building is Iskon Youth Farm. Forum. All the Iskon devotees are living, and they enter through my main entrance gate. I'll share it, you know. And I have not had no problem with them because this house actually belonged to an Iskon devotee, but his he had only one son from Mumbai, Sa Bipin Sa. His son died, so then he donated this house to Iskon, and they made a, like a Iskon Brahmacharya ashram here. But we have a common entrance. We have no, I have no problem with them. Never had any conflict. I do my things; they do their things. And with me, there are people living from practically everything. I have people living here from Sridhar Swami's Mart, Iskon, Gaudiya Mart, and people from different groups come and attend. Anandas Baba Chela, Prem Gopal Goswami Maharaj disciple is living here. People from different groups come and live here, study, or they even just live. Nobody, none of my disciples or students tries to preach them to change or convert and they should take diksha from me because I'm not keen on that. That's not my mission. Mm. My mission is to understand Shastra and to practice it myself. And if I can help others, if some people who are interested in learning, I'm willing to do that. So that's what I do. That's what my life is, you know. I live. I mean, I have Jagdananda Prabhu living with me now. He's in Canada, but he's been living with me. He's a disciple of Lalita Prashad Thakur. So I've had people even from Ramanuja Sampradaya living with me, attending my classes. And nobody ever feels pressurized here that they have to be like be my follower or I I, I don't even ask them that they should attend my classes. It's up to them whether they want to attend or not attend. I don't force anything on anybody. Everybody is free, unless they cause some disturbance here. Then I may have to ask them to leave. So both from Iskon Gaudiyamat or Saraswat Parivar or from the Babaji side, Nubnavud Bihari Baba of Akbar Sana or Anandas Baba or Pran Krishna Baba of Radha Kund or Prem Gopal Goswami, they are people from all parivars who have lived living or come and go here so that is one thing i want to say that do not please think that i have any hatred for anybody yes i have my understanding of shastra and i'm very firm on that and i will defend that if there is a need for it but that does not mean that i hate anybody Right. I wanted to, I, I, that's a point of the point I wanted to make when I had an email exchange with you and I, and I, and you said, which something was really interesting. Some people cannot believe that someone can have a different opinion and not be hateful. It's yes. really an interesting, if we can elaborate on that a little bit. Well, my elaboration is this, that first of all, all these people, whether they belong to ISKCON, Gaudiyamat or the different branches of Gaudiyamat, we are all followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So why shall I hate a person who is following whom I follow? 
whom I worship, yes. whom I revere. I don't even hate people of other sampradaya, other Vaishnavas who are worshipping Krishna or another form of Krishna because they're worshipping my Lord. Yes. I may have a difference with him. Even in one family, people have differences. Does it mean that they hate each other or they should hate it? No. no. Every human mind thinks differently. It is impossible that two people can have 100% same understanding and same thought process. Mm. So why shall I hate it? Krishna himself tolerates everybody. He tolerates all the asuras also. <laughs> he says, Dattyanam Prahlada Asmi. Among the Dattyas, I am Prahlad. And he says, Jaikaletu Sattvasya. He says, I give energy to the asuras. So why I have to hate anybody? And then second thing is that for as far as my personal life, where does hate fit in Bhakti Angas? That I should hate. Why should I do it? I don't see any logic. I don't see any sastric reference, and I, it doesn't match with my heart. People, even from Iskon, big gurus or GBCs, they come often to meet me, ask questions. I have no problem with them. I think another concern is not just the hate part, but that. Oh, if someone says something different from me, from my guru or my parampara, then I should avoid them because they're going to hurt my faith in some in my parampara in some sort of way. So, I mean, in that way, yeah, it's that, that is their thinking is right. Yeah. They should not obviously associate. Rupa Goswami himself says that in Bhaktivar Samit's Sindhu that one should associate people of one's own parivar. Mm -hmm. So, because that is thing, but I, I have nothing against that, you know. Right. If somebody has a feeling like this, that I, my understanding is different, they should not associate with me, then I have no problem with that. In fact, ISKCON passed a resolution after I left. That was the fourth resolution of ISKCON, that nobody should associate with Satyanand Das or anybody who associates with him. So I'm fine with it, you know. I I think they're right to do that. I, I'm not again. I'm not upset by their resolution. I think what they're doing is good because they have to protect their society, and they must pass a resolution against me because I do not agree with them, and I don't see anything wrong with it. Anybody who who has concern for their organization should do that. Mm -hmm. So I did not, when I came to know this, I didn't feel bad or anything. I said, yeah, fine, this is good. Going back to the paper that you wrote, wasn't your objective to harmonize those things with Prabhupada's teachings and with Jiva Goswami's teachings? But that you're was, saying, but you're saying yeah, that, that the GBC didn't, didn't agree with your viewpoint on harmonizing it? Yeah. You see, my thinking was this, and obviously, scorn people or they will not. They did not agree, and they will not agree. My thinking was little broader thinking. I I, I don't think that shallow thinking. You know? My thinking was that Prabhupada, he is a great acharya. He has done a great work, work. But now people also come to know about his books and his writings and his teachings of other sampradayas. 
So you can go to any other Vaishnava Sampradaya. Nobody is going to subscribe to this idea that we fell down from Vakuntha because it is not in Shastra. You may say Prabhupada said and so and so said, but outside is gone. Prabhupada said does not hold authenticity for them. It is not a pramana for them. It is a pramana for the followers of Prabhupada, not for followers of Sri Ramanujacharya or even Sri Madhvacharya to whom we subscribe ourselves. They will not agree to that. When actually, to tell you another incident, when I, I was in Mayapur, incidentally, Pejavar Swami of Madhva Sampradaya, who died recently, yeah. is one of the of the nine mathas. He was there in Mayapur for some inauguration or something. So I met him personally, and I asked him. He's a he was a very learned person. I mean, you know, this Madhva Acharyas are highly highly learned people. They are trained from very young age. So I met him and I asked him this question and he says, no, this is not possible. So then what they will think, they will think that, well, Prabhupada did not know or obviously they, they are not going to appreciate it coming from Prabhupada. So therefore I said, let's do it like this. And this was not. So my, my original view was this only, that I will reconcile things which would become acceptable even to other Sampradayas and scholars. Otherwise, this will keep on continuing. I know many people in ISKCON who are mainstream ISKCON, they don't believe in it, but they do lip service what GBC has you know, said. Recently, one ISKCON devotee came to me and he, he actually told this to me. He says, I, I, I'm not convinced about it. And he asked me and I explained to him and he says he wrote to one GBC and Guru, one big Guru and big GBC about this question and that GBC and Guru openly wrote to him that yes, we do not fall but we cannot preach it because GBC has restricted it. He said it. Right. So it's not that even in ISKCON everybody is happy with this. So therefore I thought at that time that we can do something like this. This does not minimize Prabhupada's position. In my eyes, but obviously they don't think so. Yeah. Do you think it's important for sometimes for our faith to be challenged in a sort of way just so we can have a more, um, like to be kind of put out of our comfort zone when it comes to our faith so our faith can grow in a proper way when there is some little bit of challenge because if there isn't a challenge then sometimes we can become fanatical or we can become um you know kind of have one narrative and not really see any other like have blinders on our face what do you feel about that yeah i will agree with you but uh, my view is different my view is that faith once you have it there's nothing which can challenge it and the problems come because we do not even know what faith means if you ask a normal devotee and asking can you define what is faith probably will have a tough time defining it so what actually is faith the way it is written in bhakti Samit sindhu the way jiv goswami rupa goswami our acharyas use this word shraddha it means shastrarth vishwasa Shraddha Naam Shastrarth Vishwasa. 
This is Jeev Goswami's comment on the word Shraddha where Rup Goswami says that Shraddha is the Adhikar. When he is defining the Adhikar, Shastra Yipta Uchanipuna. So he said this is what the word Shraddha means. So that means Shraddha comes when you understand the meaning of Shastra. And that comes when you study Shastra. And then when you study Shastra, then all these challenges will come naturally. Because Shastra and the commentators, they already bring out these type of issues there. So then it will be Vada. Then it will be a friendly discussion to understand the truth. Otherwise it turns into Jalpa or Vitanda. That I have to win or I have to just refute you. That's all. So that is very important. So what is happening at present in our Sampradaya, unfortunately, is that there is not much study of Shastra. In fact, people think it is not needed. And they think if you study Shastra, you just become a scholar. That is not devotion. But they forget that in the very beginning of the 64 Angas, what does Rup Goswami write? He says, Guru Padashraya Tasmat Krishna Dikshadishikshanam Vishrambhena Guru Seva Sadhu Vartmanu Vartmanu. So he says, Bhakti begins. He says, Tasmat. Tasmat means therefore or then, which means if you are truly interested, if you are sincere, if you want to dedicate your life to the path of bhakti, then this is what you have to do. He gives the steps for that. So what are those steps? First is Guru Padashray. Take shelter of Guru. And then take Diksha and Shiksha. Krishna Dikshadi Shikshnam. That is the number two. And number three is Visrambhena Guru, Guru Seva. Then you do Guru Seva so now these three things are the primary foundation. He himself writes, Treya Pradhana Me Voktam Guru Pradashraya Adikam. Bhakti Rasamit Sindhu says that these three are the chief angas of bhakti. So people these days, everybody is talking about Manjari Bhav, this Bhav, Siddha Deha. But you analyze if they have these first three things. Now, this Diksha and Shiksha is also not separate. You, you often hear, he is my Diksha Guru, he is my Shiksha Guru. No, this Krishna Diksha Dishikshanam means Diksha Purvakam Shikshanam Ityartha. Jiva Goswami, Vishnath Chakurti Thakur both explain. It means taking Diksha and then studying from that very Guru. That is called Diksha Dishikshanam. So, Tan Bhagavatan Arthayam Shikshayat Guru Atma Devate, Amaya Anuvritya, Yaitushtayat Atma Atma Do Guru. In Bhagavatam it is said, therefore you should study this Bhagavad Dharma from your Guru. Studying does not mean buying a book and reading it. That is reading. Studying is different. And this is what is missing. You can do one survey and find out one person who has studied one book from his Guru. Probably you will not find many. If you can reach double figure, I will be surprised. Anybody who has even studied, forget about Bhakti Rasamit Sindhu, that's a very big book. It has got few thousand slogans. Even Bhagavad Gita, somebody has studied from their guru. You have to study it. 
Otherwise, I can pose questions to you on Bhagavad Gita from Advaita point of view and you will be caught. Because I am a Vaishnava, I have studied it. I, I can also give a Purupaksha to you because I already know what you will say. So these books have to be studied. When you study it like that, your Shraddha will become like a rock. Nobody can shake you. So therefore, who is the Uttam Adhikari? Rupa Goswami says, Shastre Yukta Ucha Nupana. So who is expert in Shastra and Yukti, logic? Means he can present it logically. The Shastra also has, you be you know Shastra, you have to present it logically when the position is there. So then these types of challenges which you are saying, it will be not a problem. So therefore, this has to be done. This is the foundation. If the foundation is not there, then you can have the building. It can collapse anytime. Then you can change from here to there. So just like you go to a university. So first you have to take admission in the university, right? Or a college. Right. So you, got, you become a student. And then you have to attend classes there. Have you ever seen that some student takes admission in the university, pays the fee and everything, gets his number, but then he did not attend the classes. He is attending classes one day in this university, another day in another university, another day another university. It doesn't work like that. So Diksha is nothing but the beginning. That's why it is called initiation. Diksha and Shiksha are put together by Rupa Goswami. They are not two separate limbs of Bhakti. He mm. says Diksha di Shikshanam. Because that is just a formal acceptance. Means I accept you as my student, you accept me as my teacher. Just like formal acceptance in the university as a student. It's not that you just go and sit in the class without getting admitted in the university and then learn. No, you have to be formally admitted to that. And then you can say, I'm a student of Rutgers, I'm a student of Princeton, I'm a student of Harvard or wherever. You know. So those are different schools. So you study there. You attend classes, you have exams, you have tests, you have other students there. This is have to be done in the same way. There's nothing different. This is what Rupa Goswami is saying. So therefore, Diksha means initiation. It is initiation for what? Initiation for Shiksha. And that Shiksha has to come from Shastra. So you have to study Shastra. Tasma Shastram Pramanam Te Karya Karya Vivastito. Gyatva Shastra Vidhanoktam Karya Kartum Yarasi. Bhagavan Sri Krishna himself says that your Pramana is Shastra. What is Pramana? Pramakarnam Pramanam. Pramiyate Aniyati Pramanam. That by which you know the truth, that is called Pramana. So, first you have to know what is a Pramana. If you want to see an object, eye is the Pramana. Nose is not a Pramana for that. Nose is a Pramana for smell. Tongue is a Pramana for taste. So the pramana for knowing Krishna is Shastra, not anything else, not somebody's statement. It does not work. So therefore, Guru is also that who knows Shastra. Tasmad Gurum Prapadeta Jigyashu Shreyottamam Shastra Paracha Nishnatam. Nishnat means expert, like who has taken a dip in it, Snan, Nitram Snataha who has taken a complete dip in the Shastra. He knows the Shastra inside out. That is qualified Guru. 
सो दिस इज द पाथ ऑफ भक्ति मार्ग दिस इज द पाथ विच आवर आचार्य हैव लेड डाउन फॉर अस एंड इफ वी आर सीरियस अबाउट इट देन वी हैव टू फॉलो इट सो वॉट इज हैपनिंग इज दैट आई वॉन्ट द फ्रूट ऑफ शास्त्र because from where do we know that there is golok vrindavan there is radha krishna there is prema and there is siddha deha this is coming from shastra so i want that manjri bhav i want that manjri swarup which is coming from shastra but i don't want to study shastra so i want to become a doctor but i don't want to sit in the class and study it won't happen so you go on trying so people keep on trying 30 or years 40 years and then if you talk to them privately it says well I, i my mind is still not stable i don't chant and then you hear all this in bhakti there is no fall down you know that kaunte pratijanahi namad bhakta pranashyati is saying the boss is saying my devotee does not fall down and to whom he is saying he was talking about apichet sudurachara bhajte mahamananya bhag साधुरेव समंतव्य सम्यक दिस गाय वॉज नॉट समबडी हू केम वॉज बॉर्न इन हाई क्लास फैमिली सच अपीचेत सुधराचार्य इवन दिस पर्सन क्षिप्रम भवती धर्मात्मा शश्वत शांति निगछती कौनतय प्रति जाने ही नमद भक्त प्रणश्यती सच माई डिवोटी विल नेवर फॉल डाउन बट यू हैव टू अंडरस्टैंड फर्स्ट वॉट इज डिवोटी वॉट इज भक्ति भक्ति इज नॉट अ चीप थिंग वाई वाई रूप गोस्वामी साइड इट इज सुदुर्लभा क्लेशग्नि शुभधा मोक्ष लघुता कृता सुदुर्लभा सांद्रानंद विशेष आत्मा श्री कृष्ण आकर्षणी जैसा सो इट इज सुदुर्लभ इट इज इजी बट इजी डज नॉट मीन इजी फॉर एवरीबडी फर्स्ट यू हैव टू अंडरस्टैंड इट देन इट विल बी इजी सो वी हैव टू स्पेंड अ लॉट ऑफ टाइम अंडरस्टैंडिंग भक्ति आई टेल यू इफ यू अंडरस्टैंड भक्ति इवन इफ यू अंडरस्टैंड वट इट इज फॉल डाउन इज इम्पॉसिबल i can say it with my what do you mean by that because we see that there are fall downs in, in the sense of what we call in iskon like a fall down you don't understand bhakti don't understand bhakti the only way you can fall down is if you are committed offense then bhakti does not protect obviously if you are offending bhakti herself otherwise there is no power in the three worlds which can deviate a bhakta bhakti is so powerful even theoretical understanding is so powerful of bhakti janayati ashu vairagyam gyanam chayadahetukam it immediately generates vairagya so if vairagya is generated where is the fall down fall down obviously means vishaya vishaya avishta chittasya krishna bhakti sudurata varuni diggatam vastu katham endri maya vapnuyat this vishaya and bhakti are two separate directions this is thing which is found in the west how will you find it in the east impossible there are two different directions so once you are situated in bhakti even from the beginning even even the that kanishta adhikari will not fall down you can read vishnuna chakrarti thakur's commentary on kanishta adhikari where komal shraddha that his shraddha is very delicate even he would not fall down it is impossible that is the power of shraddha shraddha word shraddha itself means that shrat dha shrat means sat the truth dha means situated one who is situated in this shraddha will situate you in the truth and now you will walk it will link you to that 
you will have samskaras and all that which may trouble you but you will not deviate it is impossible that's why i'm saying try to understand what is being written by our goswamis this bhakti is so amazing it is just amazing and then you will know why it is said it is simple and it is this and that but first you have to invest some time and energy to understand it and ingrain it digest it when you when you mentioned that the devotees nowadays are not studying it do you mean that it's because they are not uh studying under someone or it's just that no one is just not studying it yeah they are not studying because studying means studying under someone because you cannot understand it yourself how many people understand it is written very clearly krishna diksha dishikshanam you talk to anybody do they understand the meaning of this statement it is also translated people read it they don't understand it because shastra is like a textbook then you have to hear it from somebody who knows it who has experience of it then it is it opens itself otherwise srutvapi na evam ved kashchit ashrayavat pashyati kashchidenam ashrayavadvati tathay uchanni you hear it but you don't know it and you will think i know it but it is somebody who is teaching you he will know whether you know it or not know by yourself you cannot know whether you understood or not so vidura makes a very beautiful statement he says swata gyanam kutah punsham bhakti vairagyam evacha He says, "How can one gain knowledge?" And there, knowledge he is not talking about this knowledge, knowledge of shastra by oneself. Swataha gyanam kutaha punsham, and then bhakti varagya. What to speak of bhakti and varagya? And then Krishna also makes a statement, Pudhava. He says, "Anadi avidya yuktasya purushasya atma vedanam swato na sambhavad." Same word is used, swata. first of all this anadi the problematic word is used by him <laughs> <laughs> so he says that the purusha the jiva the living being the living entity is conditioned without a beginning by avidya anadi avidya yuktasya purushasya atmavedanam atmavedanam means knowing about atma where atma means bhagwan because you cannot know even yourself without his help so swatona sambhavat very clearly says it is not possible by oneself then how is it possible anyado anyado tatva tatvagya gyanado bhavet he says another person who knows the tatva he can give knowledge gyanado bhavet it's very clear so that's why you have to study that is the whole system that is what parampara means why do we call it parampara mm. what is the meaning of parampara it doesn't matter whether it is diksha parampara now also this another issue shiksha parampara bhagavat parampara fine i have no problem if you have shiksha parampara but show me where is the shiksha parampara show me which guru has studied from his guru bhagavat parampara i don't even know what bhagavat parampara means but show me Otherwise, Bhagavatam itself says, "Tatra Bhagavatam Dharman Shikshet Guru Atman Daivata." It's saying you should study from your Guru Bhagavat Dharma. 
So it is a school. That's why we call it a school. Gaudiya Vaishnavism is a school. You have to study. Because bhakti is not of this world. Other things you can understand by self-study. Bhakti is nirguna. Our mind is saguna. Our experiences are saguna. They are all material. They are within the gunas of prakriti. Our senses are also made of gunas. So whatever you can understand, it will be always in gunas. Because the way you understand anything new is by comparison. You compare with your previous experience. That's why we give examples. Why examples are given? Because example is something. Yatra laukika naam parikshka naam cha samya buddhi pat udharam. So example is that which where the common person can understand and the teacher also. They both have the same understanding. They have a samya buddhi. So therefore it has to be studied. Otherwise you are going to interpret it according to your material mind. And bhakti is not material. I'm sure every devotee will agree with it. So if it is not material, how will you understand it with your material mind? So that's why Krishna says, Anya tattvagyo jnanado bhavet. Another person who is tattvagya, he will give the jnana. So that transcendental knowledge comes. Tene Brahma Hridaya Adikave Muhiyantiyat Suraya. Krishna gave it to Brahma. Even Brahma cannot understand it. Krishna gave it to him. If Brahma would have to study Vedas on his own, he will not understand. So this is the only thing. In Chatusloki, he says this is the only thing to be asked. A tattva jiggyasu. First, we have to become a tattva jiggyasu. Have to become jiggyasu means one who wants to know of tattva. And then one has to do this jiggyasa from guru. Etava deva jiggyasan. Chatusloki itself is saying that you have to make this jiggyasa. You have to approach guru and ask this. Krishna is also saying Tadvidhi Pranipatina Pariprasnina Sevaya. You have to go. Nowhere it is said that you just read it. In Mahabharata, there is a story to illustrate this point that there was a Brahmana boy. So, as a young boy, he did not study. Because obviously, studying is tapasya, brahmachari life is not fun. So, he did not study, then he grew up. But when he grew up now, when he was young, his parents supported him. Now parents are dead. He did not study. And as a Brahmana, now he does not know any of the Brahmanical duties. And so he could not support. So he thought, well, let me get Vedic knowledge. Otherwise, how will I survive? But now he does not want to go to school because he's grown up and it will be too embarrassing for him to sit in the class and be under some guru. So he says, I will go and do tapasya. So tapsa kimna labhyate. What is that you cannot attain by tapasya, by austerity? So he was doing tapasya, tapasya for a long time. Nothing happened. So then Indra, he took compassion on him. So Indra took the form of a brahmana and he came. So he was living near a river. So Indra sat on the bank of the river and he was taking sand and throwing into the river with his hand. So this brahmana came there and he saw him and he says, what is he doing? This old brahmana, what is he doing? 
So he asked him, excuse me, sir, what are you doing? So he says, well, I have to go to the other side and there's no boats on. I want to build a bridge. So he, this man started laughing. He says, how will you make the bridge like this? The sand you put in water, it's, a, it's just going to go down. This is not the way to bridge. So he says, well, if you can understand Vedas by yourself, I can also make the bridge. What is the problem? <laughs> <laughs> So then this Brahmana, <laughs> he got shocked, he says, who is this? So then he revealed his identity and he told him, you, you go to a guru and learn from him. So tasmad guru meva abhigachet srotriyam brahmanishtam. So Upanishad also says, therefore you should approach a guru, samitpani, holding, taking some gift in your hand. And Guru is also Shrotriya and Brahmanishta. Again, the word Shrotriya is used. He is learned. And he is Brahmanishta. So this is the simple process. And whatever I have said, it's not that it's some complicated stuff. It's not a rocket science. This is what every... You want to be a doctor. You want to be an engineer. You want to learn music. Can you learn music? Can you become a great musician? Just by listening or taking some book and reading it, especially classical music. No, you would not know what raga is this and what is the difference between this raga and that raga. Now, these are material things. What to speak of bhakti? We are trying to know the supreme person who is most knowledgeable. How are you going to deal with somebody who is so knowledgeable if you don't understand his personality? which comes only from Shastra. So therefore, Krishna makes another statement. He says, Ya Shastra vidhi mutsrijya vartate kama karata nasa siddhim avapnoti nasukham na paramgati He says, those who do not follow the Shastra vidhi, the process described in Shastra, and function according to their own whims, and whims doesn't have to be just pure whim. It's just your understanding by reading book or this or that. It's also whim. Because nowhere it says that you have to do like that. So it says, Nasa Siddhimavapnuti. He will not attain perfection. Which means, whatever you are trying to attain, even if it is material thing, you want. Nasukham, you won't attain happiness. Paramgating, the supreme destination, prema, bhakti, whatever. Sadhya bhakti, you will not get it. It's a very clear statement and it's from Bhagavad Gita. There's so many other statements like that. Mm. Thank you for uh, relaying all the, the whole story of how it all kind of materialized to, to now. I, we do have um, like about 15 more minutes before we end, but I did want to ask you something about your work with Vedic psychology because I understand that uh, you organize the, or someone in connection with you organize retreats on on psychology and how it's important for uh, why do you think it's important for our Godia community to kind of pay attention to psychology uh, because I think not only when we preach to others but also when in our own life and practice it's like something imp- why is it important for us to kind of study that yeah it is important from two points of view The first is that we are coming from so many different backgrounds 
and according to vedic psychology which i have accumulated different you know points it's not vedic psychology is not a subject in anywhere in the vedas or anything but you know reading bhagavad gita reading yoga sutras reading sankhya philosophy bhagavatam all that you know i have gathered some knowledge smriti shastras so what happens is that this human body is a machine we have basically four inner parts in it which are very important to understand we have a chitta we have ahankara we have manas and we have buddhi and they all four have different different functions so just like to give you an analogy we have a computer so computer has a hard disk it has a processor it has a screen but there is no ahankara here because computer is not a living being so chitta is where all our experiences are stored whatever you experience everything gets stored inside your chitta that is like hard disk anything i type on my computer everything goes into the hard disk then buddhi is like the processor it processes this data and makes files of it and that's why sleep is necessary because most of the processing is done at night when data is not because when data is coming from outside you have to get the data there is no time to process it so sleep is very important that's why if you don't sleep for few days you can become crazy because now everything is half assured nothing is organized that's what a crazy person means disorganized crazy person means the mind is disorganized otherwise externally he looks fine so therefore buddhi does that function it has many other function i'm speaking in brief i'm just trying to summarize then manas is the, like the screen of the computer what is in the chitta you don't know anything about it what buddhi is doing you don't know much about it but what you know is what comes on the screen of the mind mm. like what is in the hard disk i do not know how the processor is doing things if i you know click here it opens a file how it does i don't know but what i know is what comes on the screen and i know okay this is in this file so same is what we know in our screen of the mind so what happens why i'm telling this brief introduction is that as a child when you are born besides your vasanas coming from the past life the slate from this life is clean and the child is absorbing everything if you have noticed the baby lying on the cradle he absorbs a lot his senses are very alert because he does, he is not into future plans and the past sadness or anything nothing like that exists for him so he lives in the present what you say here and now that famous book of eckhart tolle or whatever you know so mm. child is actually like that animals are also like that but animals don't have chitta or doesn't work like that so so then what everything gets recorded and you are also learning the language you are also learning the words you are also learning the emotions through this process by the time you are 7 years old or by the time you are what you call the milk teeth fall down and you get the new teeth 90% of your programming has been done and this is what will guide your life for rest of your existence here after that it is only 10% so therefore it is very important if i am a stu- if i am a teacher I, it is very important for me to understand the psychology of this what is the background of this person where is he coming from 
because then i understand why this person is behaving this way because devotees also have a lot of problems in their relations or with guru or among each others and all this criticism and backbiting and politics and all these things go on or not why is this happening because it's all programmed inside you know mm-hmm. and they are depressed they are angry they are sad all types some people some devotees through tantrums and then there are devotees who look like pure devotees but actually they may be codependent you know codependent looks like a very nice devotee mm. so there are some devotees who are narcissistic and then there are some codependent they make a very nice combination and it looks like everything is going going on very nice but it's not going very nice and it sooner or later is falls apart right right so this is one thing which has to be understood and second thing since we don't have much time is that actually all our shastra is about psychology so there is a material psychology and then there is spiritual psychology all this bhakti what are these vibhav anubhav sanchari bhav this psychology ujjwal nilmani bhakti rasamit sindhu the later part it's all how the devotee's mind functions and that's why i said if you want to serve krishna you also have to know he is also person he also has a mind he also has a thought process how does he think how does he function how does he relate with devotees you know so this is the spiritual psychology but if you have not, if you are not understanding the material side and then you have to clear these what you call the grunjis the things which are obstacle to your progress these are anarthas you know what rup goswami is saying adho shraddha tata sadhu sangat bhajan kriya tato anarth nivri these anarthas what are these anarthas these are all samskaras which will sprout up and then make you think all this ganatarla vishashangara you know all these things up and down and not able to do this niyamakshama this vishna these are all samskaras playing with you and unless you clear them you will not come to the nishtha stage so then only you come to the nishtha then only it becomes smooth although we say bhakti is very easy it is easy once you come to the nishtha platform before that forget about easiness <laughs> <laughs> there's no easiness <laughs> and that's where many people are stuck you know mm-hmm. and they don't know how to get out of it so my program was that you know everybody should understand this vedic psychology how your own mind functions you know your own problems and take help and i devise some techniques how to clarify you know how to rewrite your hard disk basically you know like you do right. uh, formatting formatting you know yeah so there are viruses you know these are viruses because viruses are also programs on the same hard disk where you have your good programs right so you call them seed and weed so how to get rid of these viruses from there so yeah. some techniques i devised for that to help devotees amazing and then I, you I can really... then... yeah now you come to the real psychology <laughs> yes yes then you understand why devotees why why devotees act the way they act otherwise you don't understand that's why i said it is very difficult to understand the mind of a devotee because his psychology is different you know he's he's floating in another program yeah. and your program is different and you don't know his program but he knows your program wow i i really hate to rush you on this we topic because it, it's such a vast topic and it seems like it can go you can you can really elaborate on on that topic so maybe yeah. 
if if you please uh, maybe we'll you can bring you on again and and talk about this specific topic psychology because that's very the just the little bit that you just said now in the past 10 minutes is like very fascinating because it's so important to try to understand oneself as well as why devotees might act a certain way or how why you may act a certain way because we are on the path of self realization so self-realization does not mean only to realize that I am Atma and I am servant of Krishna, but first realize this self because we also call this body as ourself. Yeah. The word Atma in Sanskrit means all this. In Sanskrit, Atma means body. It also means mind. It also means Buddhi. Krishna himself, Atma hivi Atmano Bandhu, Atma Atmana. So many times he uses the word Atma, but in different, different meanings. So therefore, Atma Sakshatkar, self-realization also means first to know my body, Vata Pitta Kapha, then to know my mind, Sattva Rajas Tamas and so many other divisions of it. Then to know my all the my grunjis, my anarthas from my chitta. This is also realization of yourself because you have to get rid of this. You have to use this instrument to reach there. It's like if I have a car, I have to know what this, why this car is making noise. So no, no, I am, I'm going Brindavan. I don't care care for the car. No, but car is the medium which will take you to Vrindavan. Yes. Say, no, I meditate on Vrindavan only. I meditate on Radha Krishna pastime. Now you are talking about, this is Maya. This is what we heard in this con. Body is Maya. I spoiled my health hearing all these things. <laughs> Still suffering from that. Wow. Yeah, doing all types of crazy things, you know, don't eat at night and don't this and fasting this way and that way. You know, These are all some unscientific ways, at least understand Ayurveda, you know, it's the best science for the body. Right. Well, um, Maharaj, it was very nice to speak with you and hear your story. And I thank you so much for, for expressing all of that, that you did. And um, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, I, I feel like you were treated quite unfairly. Um, that's my own personal opinion. And no, uh, I, don't, I, I don't think like that. I'm telling you frankly, I don't mm. have grudge against this con or anybody. Right. Anybody who were even so-called against me, I can meet them. I even met Jayadvaita Swami once in, in Boston area. Mm. I, we had talk. I, I don't have, because you know why? I take responsibility for my own actions. Mm -hmm. Because people say, many times they ask, why is that you, you don't get disturbed about this con and this and that? I says, no, I joined this con by my wish. So if I did not like it and if there's it, this is my choice, you know. Yeah. It was my decision. Nobody caught me by neck and said, join is gone. So why shall I blame them? I if I have to blame, I have to blame myself. I made wrong decision if I have to say that. You know? mm -hmm. It is my decision. I am responsible for my own decision. Therefore I, I don't have any grudge against anybody and I again repeat it, although many people think so, but uh, I cannot change their thinking. Yeah. And uh, finally, I would uh, ask for forgiveness if my words hurt anybody's feelings. If anybody feels disturbed by my words, please forgive me. I don't have any intention to disturb anybody. I don't have any motives like that. I'm not after you know, this plan or that plan. My plan is very simple. I want to be a devotee and remain a devotee and practice, follow Shastra. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.
please stay on, Maharaja, and, and I'm just going to turn off the recording. Hare Krishna, everyone. Thank you for listening. Hare Bol. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna.